Funk Boy, aka Ivan Boldly, is a bass player and music director for the stars. He has performed with 50 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees and in 12 Broadway shows. Musical director for Sam Moore from Sam and Dave, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas, and the Shirelles. Funk Boy has performed with Sting, Elvis Costello, The Temptations, Solomon Burke, Benny King, Percy Sledge, Eddie Floyd, Rufus and Carla Thomas, Bo Diddley, Buster Poindexter, Uptown Horns, Paul Rogers, Fiona Judd, and many more. I am humbled to have such a great talent on the show as he speaks on his career, his new book, and his music on this guest spotlight episode of Micro Break. This is Microbreak, a podcast for humans with the attention span of a goldfish, where I share my thoughts, wisdom, and humor on a wide range of topics from yesterday to today, all delivered unscripted and loosely edited in under 15 minutes an episode. This is Michael J. Mayone. Please subscribe and enjoy the ride. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Microbreak. And this is a guest spotlight. And we have Funk Boy on the show. Let's hear it for Funk Boy. And the crowd goes wild. We'll, we'll dub the crowd in later, Ivan. What do you think? Perfect. <laughs> Ivan is a bass player. I'm so glad to have you on the show. You're a local guy. You're, uh, I believe you're in New York now, but you've been all over the world, haven't you? I've been to 29 countries around this lovely planet of ours wow. in my travels. Wowee. See, folks, we only have the highest quality guests on micro break. So before we just dive in, because when two musicians get together and start talking, it becomes a maxi break. So I want you to just kind of preference why you're here today, why you decided to become a guest on the micro break podcast, and what are you peddling all right, so I'm pimping my new book called Am I Famous Yet? Memoir of a Working Class Rock Star. I like your format. I like your podcast in small bites, and I think this will be an excellent platform to be able to tell folks about my new book. Growing up and as an adult, I listened to all this music and all these songs, and there you are in the shadows, putting the backbone behind a lot of these tracks. I mean, the bass, in my opinion. Now, look, I'm a guitar player, Ivan, but the drums, which are the foundation of the house. But I believe the bass is like like the roof and the siding. Between drums and bass, you've got a lot to work with there. Does that make any sense? I'm, I'm 100%. It's quite literally the bridge between the rhythm and the harmony. It's sort of like the basis of the foundation of the entire house. And what you're saying about, you know, knowing all these recordings of these artists that I play with, I feel the same way. I grew up listening to the same music you did probably, listening to the radio. And then sort of as I went through music school and as I started to enter the professional world in New York City, I started to meet these people and get to perform with them and play these songs that I grew up listening to. And it's been just a tremendous honor. I can't tell you how much a thrill it is to play Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow with the Shirelles each and every single time. And I've been doing it for 27 years, my friend. And not with a, a long time. It's, no, it's freaking amazing. And not with a cover band playing the Shirelles, but the actual Shirelles, folks. When That's you, what we're talking hear, about here. <laughs> yeah, when you hear the lead singer's voice coming back at you through the monitors, that's a thrill like no other, I can assure you. <laughs> and you were a heavy hitter in the 80s. I have taken the liberty to dig deeper into the into the career, career of Funk, Funk Boy. Boy. And I found so many awesome glossy black and whites. And I, I see you here with uh, with Meat Loaf. And I, I see you with Sheila E. And I see Mr. you with... Mr. Loaf to you, sir. <laughs> no, his stage name is Meat Loaf. I get to call him that, too. Sade. I mean, 
mean, love, love, love her music. The fact that you've even graced her stage or her presence blows me away. And then I've watched a video where you've you got this grin on your face. You're behind Sting. And I, was it Sam Moore that was singing? Damn, that's right. Yeah. That's and right. just unbelievable. And I'm like, OK, so this guy has the credibility and he comes out with this book. So that tells me, well, maybe if I'm into music, if I'm into even not even as a performer, but as a spectator, as a fan, I might be interested in learning more about this book. So let's start to talk about this amazing book, because the podcast that you also have, and I'm going to let you plug that. And by the way, just so everybody knows, don't don't write all this shit down. It's going to be in the show notes. There's going to be links to to all of his contact information and Funk Boy's social media and everything he wants you to have will be down in the show notes below. But tell us about the book to end the podcast and how they're together. They tie together in some way. Right. Well, the podcast started actually as a serialization of the book. It's basically me on YouTube. It started on YouTube, not on not as a podcast. It's just reading the chapters. Interesting. The era that you're talking about where I'm hanging out with Sade and Ozzy Osbourne and Alice Cooper and those things, those were that was my record company days when I used to work. I was a publicist for Epic Records. So I was working with them on the business side, decided that I had a belly full of the music business because it had nothing to do with music. It was all business. It was all marketing and decided that I wanted to go back to music school and learn to be a musician and try my hand on the other side of the desk. So ah. I, and I've had successes on both sides of the desk. I can say now in retrospect as I've detailed in my book, Am I Famous Yet? Memoir of a Working Class Rockstar, available <laughs> at all fine retailers. Uh, you know, I've seen love from both sides now, and, it, and, and I feel like I sort of have a unique perspective in retrospect. I didn't know going into it, because you, you can't plan for any of this stuff. You can intend for X, Y, and Z to happen, but almost always when you look back, it's like, oh yeah, life had other plans. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun stories in the book that people will find interesting because it's kind of very inside baseball for things that people who are not in the music business every day, you know, don't experience and don't understand what we go through day to day, just dealing with everything from concert promoters to catering managers to whatever, major D's, the whole thing. It's oh, a lot of fun. Or in the case of your latest episode, getting paid. Folks, you have no idea. And I have story upon story just as a disc jockey professionally for weddings and bar and bat mitzvahs. It's mind blowing. People say, well, you get all that money an hour just to play music. I'm like, well, listen here, Mabel. It takes a shitload more than just a bunch of music. I mean, anybody can do that nowadays with Spotify. What about getting them out there on the dance floor? What about making sure your guests are in, in, engaged and interacting with each other and having a great time making memories making photo opportunities for the photographers who also want people to be having a good time so they don't look like they're taking boring shots. It's all threaded together. The hours that goes into preparation into in calling out the, the wedding party and all that. And for you as a wedding, uh, now you've done, uh, you, you're in bands, yes, and, and you do weddings and all that stuff? Many, many, many bands. And what I tell people, the running joke that I have, which goes exactly what your point is just saying, is that I say, we do the gig for free. We get paid for the logistics, the travel, the setup, the practice time, the going over with the catering manager, the name of the bridal party. That, that's we get paid for that nonsense. The actual playing of the music, that's the stuff we love. It's the passion we've been following our whole life. We would do that for free. However, we will not drive up to Massachusetts to do it for free. You're going to have to pay us for that. And we get paid for... I-95 North. That's what I'm getting paid for. Travel time in the That's broken right. in the broken down Chevy short wheel based van that breaks the transmission goes on the way to a gig. And what do you do? You call AAA and you have AAA. them tow you to the gig. So you still show up for the gig and do the gig and worry about the freaking van broken down in the parking lot. 
after the show. Now that is loyalty to the craft. That's we've done it many times. I've yeah, had to that was a true retrace story. my steps <laughs> to try to find out where my car was abandoned by some you know mechanic in central Connecticut to go to get the timing belt fixed the next day. <laughs> oh yeah, it's happened, my friend. So is this the kind of stuff we're gonna find in the book item? This and more, yeah. There's just sort of a, a million different tales from the fast lane, as it were. Uh, but again, be, because the subtitle of the book is A Working Class Rock Star, I spent a lot of time talking about what fame is, what fame means to me, and sort of what the machinations are, and sort of working for a living and paying your rent for 30 years as a working class musician. That's incredible. That that really is. And that speaks for itself, because you hear of the words starving musician all the time. And let's face it, you might not be eating caviar and T-bones steak every night but you're not starving you're paying your bills and you're doing what you love if it feels like work i don't want to do it anyway you know what i mean i, I agree with that 100 percent. and that said though once you decided or once i just you know i was i felt defeated when i quit the record business i said i there's nothing else i honestly wanted to do with my life i said the only thing i can really possibly see myself doing and not just hating myself is playing music now once i made that decision and that was a very tough realization to make then i said okay now i've really got to get my skill set together i've got to get my education together i've got to get my chops together i had a lot of homework to do in fact after i had my first music business career then i went back to college to get a music degree to learn how to have the tools to be able to do what i do and sustain hopefully i didn't know if it was going to be able to sustain a career for you know decades and decades paying my rent only by playing music uh, and it did work out but it, i really very carefully laid the foundation to be able to do that to allow myself to have more successes when the when the opportunities do open the doors you have to be able to walk through them you know what i'm saying uh, yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent so folks when we come back on the second half of micro break we're going to dig into the mind of funk boy just a little bit more i want to learn a little bit more about that book i want to learn a little bit more about the other things that you do to pay the bills and anything that you want to plug on the second half so we'll be right back don't go away folks where are you going just look sit right there we'll be right back after this Hey, this is Ivan, also known as Funk Boy, here to tell you about my new book, Am I Famous Yet? Memoir of a Working Class Rockstar. It's available on Amazon. It's also a podcast called Am I Famous Yet? Available wherever fine podcasts are sold. And everything can be found at my website, www.funkboy.net, F-U-N-K-B-O-Y.net. Thanks! You know, I said on a previous show that I was going to let that play out and see where it goes. But I don't think it lasts long enough to be a whole song. I think it's about a minute long, Ivan. <laughs> it's enough. It's enough. That's an upright, isn't it? Sounds like it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'm definitely liking that track. Oh, by the way, folks, we're back. <laughs> 
you know, when two musicians get together, there's a lot of uh, bantering going on. So you guys will get used to it. I know that musicians listen to the show. I had uh, Michael from Pedestrian at Best podcast. Super, super nice guy. Hi, Michael. I know you're listening to the show because I know you listen to every single episode. And if you missed this one, you missed your plug, man. Before we get back into your book, I wanted to ask you a couple of sort of generic questions, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Go ahead. How many bases do you own? Oh, no, that's an embarrassing question. I think about 22, 21, 22, but I only play two of them regularly. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're like shoes. I have way more than I need. They're all so pretty hanging up here on the wall. And I literally use one of them regularly. I knew I've seen the photos on your website, folks. When you go to his website, you're going to think he's like using clip art and shit. It's all his stuff. I knew it. I knew that were your, uh, they were your bases and all those years of playing. And like any musician, you have so many. One has one purpose and plays only one song and then it goes away. Another one looks nice. Another one might go up in value. So you bought that one. Another one just, you love the color and you bought that. It's so, it's so common. So you have over 20 plus bases. You perform with just a few go-to bases. What is your number one go-to base? Well, the number one that's in the bag, stays in the gig bag by the door all the time, is a Fender Precision. It is the Adam Clayton from U2 model. So it is a purple metal flake finish with a matching purple metal flake headstock. It's got a jazz neck on it, though. It's Fender jazz neck and a P-bass body. And it's got mother of pearl abalone inlays, block inlays, and lollipop tuners from the 60s. It's just too pretty not to not to want to play every day. Yeah, and priceless, too, I'm guessing. Uh, you know, I think the price was actually about $2,000, but I got a deal on this one because I found some collector in Florida who bought it and immediately turned it over. So uh, priceless. No, you can. There, there's a price. You can always put a price on a guitar. Is there a music shop that you frequent in New York that maybe deserves a plug today? Someone that's helped you along in your career locally? You know, that's such an interesting question because music retailing has changed so much over the last few years and so much of it has gone online. online. Like I used to hang out on 48th Street all the time and you would go see the We Buy Guitars, which is amazing to walk into and Sam Ash and Manny's and Rudy's. I used to go to all the time. And so those stores are all gone now. So mm. now you just sort of do this virtual salivating online, and, you know, look at stuff on Reverb.com, which I kind of hate because you like to have it's an instrument the same. in your hand. Of course, buy it, right? of course. Yeah. And, and it's not just the touch. Sometimes it's the feel, the texture. And I agree wholeheartedly that the the instrument chooses you. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but you know when the instrument is the right instrument for you. I, I'm I sure. have several that are manufactured in, in Asia. They're quite affordable and they're brilliant and your experience probably helps in that too you kind of know okay yeah don't worry about it, the fact that it's 199 dollars. just try it trust me this will be fine we'll get it set up you're going to be great uh your lessons are online i'll see you online you do lessons too right so let's talk a little bit about your lessons and your teachings because you have a degree uh where did you get your degree i have a professional diploma from the berkeley college of music in boston massachusetts Magna sure Thank you very much. Yeah, and, I love uh, Boston. You know, nobody's ever wanted to ask me to see it, to qualify for a gig. It's in a file drawer, and uh, I know I have it, and that's all that really matters, I guess. You know, it's just, No, you're 100% right. It's like that same question that we get all the time. Do you know how to read music? Now, I'm going to answer yes for you because you're a bass player. You're also a teacher. You're also a composer. 
My guess is you know how to read music notes and tablature. Is that true? I do not read tablature. I don't care for it. I don't like it. But music, traditional notation, I do read. And I very consciously set about when I was in music school trying to learn that skill because I knew that that would give me more opportunities in more situations to be able to come in where there's a book and you have to sight read things down. I wasn't very good at it. I'm still not great at it, but I worked at it really hard to just have that as another tool in the toolbox, you know what I'm saying, to make yourself employable in more situations. So like when you get into a Broadway pit, for instance, you really need to be able to read. You have to. It's, you know, it's not an optional thing. So a million gigs that you don't need to read a note for, clearly. And there's some wonderful musicians that who don't read and could never read. It's not about that. It's just about having another way to communicate musical ideas to people more quickly. So if you have a limited time to put something together in a rehearsal, for instance, you pass out the sheet music. If everybody reads, you got a song going in five minutes. That's you know cool. Yeah, no, I can. I highly respect uh, anyone that could do that, that could read sheet music and say, okay, yeah, I got this. Let's play this in one, two, three. Uh, now it'd be like, here, listen to my song. And try. what chords are they? Oh, let me write them down. G, C minor. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That way too. We and that's that me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how you're going to teach me. I'm going to yeah. look at that sheet music and I'm going to say, uh, okay, uh, is this Braille? I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> so, segue, you mentioned music book and, and sheet music. Uh, let's talk more about the book with the long title. Now, I've been shortening the title, Am I Famous Yet? And, yeah. and, the, and then the subtitle is Memoirs of a Working Musician. Is that correct? Work, working class rock star. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about the book. How did that come to be? When did you decide, hey, I got to put this on paper? I have a whole bunch of road stories, obviously, you know, just from doing it for so many years. Years ago, like, you know, we'd be uh, on a break from a set in between soundcheck or something and be at a dinner break and something untoward might have happened on the day and people were talking about it around the dinner table. And it would always, always, always remind me of something else that happened that was even more crazy on another gig. And I would start telling these stories like, you know, oh, you're not going to believe what happened. There was one time when we were in Tuscany, <laughs> blah, 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 happened. And and I got to, you know, this got to be a sort of a thing with me. And people were saying, you know, you should really write these things down. You know, you could write a book. You have enough stories. Uh, you've been hearing, you could write a book. You should write a book. Yeah. You, you start hearing that, that, that starts to stick in your head. So your podcast is a offspring of the book or the YouTube channel where you're actually reading from the book. Is that correct? Correct. It started with the book. I wrote the book first and then sort of in this modern world, sort of deciding how do you get that out to people? Uh, it's not only printed media anymore. Now it's also video. It's also audio. It's also we have YouTube came next. Then I said, you know, I can just take the audio portion of the YouTube clip and release that through through Anchor, through the podcast mm. channel. you got to have different social media platforms. You also have to have different formats because people enjoy books and recordings and different methods. Some people listen to podcasts when they're at the gym. Some people watch YouTube when they're at home. Some people like to read a book in bed, you know what I'm saying? So yep. trying to sort of like reach out to everybody in, in any possible format that they might like to ingest these stories, if you will. When you do your podcast, do you actually read from the book sort of cover to cover? Or are you hopping around and just giving us little tastes of the book? The initial run was reading the book cover to cover, chapter by chapter. So each episode is a different chapter. Uh, what's happened now in the last few weeks, uh, now that we've been back at work, starting June 
all suddenly all the private party gigs came back, all the mm. wedding gigs came back. Mm. So now I have a whole sort of fresh set of observations from the road. So now I'm doing it two times a week. So I have the chapter from the book coming out on Friday. And then every Tuesday, I'm putting out sort of the stories of the week, like what happened at the gigs this week, which seemed unusual, interesting, or funny. And then in that way, I'm sort of like almost keeping an audio diary, looking towards possibly collecting these things for a future volume. Could be, a, you know, part two of the book, for instance. That's awesome. So once again, I want to thank Ivan Funk Boy. And how do you say your last name? So I get it right. People say Bodley. So I want to thank one more time, Ivan Funk Boy Bodley for being on the Microbreak Podcast. Ivan, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. We're going to have you leave me the information for all your contact info and where people can buy the book. Is there anything else you want to plug verbally right now while they're listening and driving in their cars and heading to work? Uh, yeah, I've got a new record deal on Color Red Music, my new latest single, Crab Walk, which I think you played in part of the intro of the of the show. I sure It's available there. And Amazing. Links for everything are at my website, funkboy.net, F-U-N-K-B-O-Y.net. Spelling counts, my friends. Folks, thanks again for listening to another episode of Micro Break. Next week, we're going to be back on the regular format, and I have a subject that we're going to be discussing next week. But I'm going to leave a cliffhanger there for you. As a matter of fact, I love so much what I came up with that I wrote it down and I'm thinking about copywriting it. So we'll catch you on the next one. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Microbreak. Please subscribe before you go and follow me on Twitter at micro underscore break. I'll catch you on the next one.